This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. When we started this series, the beginning of the month, we noticed some themes that have come out in it. I think one of the themes that we've seen is the idea that when it comes to relationships, we cannot control the people around us. Much as we'd like to, we can't. We can't control them. We can only control what we do, the seeds that we plant. The second thing we found was the fact that, that if our relationship with God is good, it actually has the ability to impact our relationships here. So in other words, if we go here, it's better out here. And, uh, I'd said something, I think one of the very first uh, sermons, and a, a young man came after me. He looked at me, he said, so what you're saying is you, you cannot be happy in, in a relationship? I said, no, no, you can, you can be happy in a relationship. I said, what I'm saying is that you're not depending on someone else to be the source of your happiness. You don't put your happiness in someone else's hands. And so that's where that relationship with God has come in. Let me introduce a third thing to you this morning, and that would be heart health or spiritual health. And there's a, a buzzword that's going around today. You're hearing a lot about mental health, and I think that's good. We're, we're starting to hear, hey, this is, this is important. This is an area that impacts. So I believe we don't want to just simply stop with mental health because we're really a, a three-dimensional person. We are a spirit being. We have a soul. We live in a body. And the Bible talks about the hidden man of the heart. It talks about the spirit of man. And that's really what we, what we want to focus on because when we find that the spirit of man is strong, our ability to handle life is better. In Proverbs 18th chapter, look at this verse here. It said, a healthy spirit conquers adversity. But what can you do when the spirit is crushed? What can you do? In other words, when, when you're healthy on the inside, it doesn't mean all the problems go away, but it does mean our ability to handle it is so much better. But when you're wounded on the inside and hurting, and by the way, that's, that's not just one or two random people, that's so many. And when you're hurting, it, it impacts everything on the outside. Joy and I have discovered that, and we've experienced this powerful truth in our life. We'll be married, we've been married 37 years, we'll be 38 next year. And we've seen that, and we've seen how that impacts us. But this morning in particular, I wanted you to hear her story, so I'm going to turn it over to you, sweetie. Lord, so good and kind. I know, really, the reason why he wants me up here is because I've always had relationship problems. They were hard for me. I don't know about you, but I wondered why is it that the relationships we pray for, we pray for marriage, we pray for children, we pray for good friends, why are they so complicated? Why can they end up hurting so much? I never quite understood that. I'm like, can I just run from them? Can you be where you're just not around people and maybe you wouldn't get hurt then? But no, actually we have to have people around our life, but sometimes it really does hurt and it's painful. I, was, I went to a, a florist, a girl that I knew for a long time, and on this one particular day, she was really, really nervous. And um, I said, what is the matter? I could tell something's wrong. Are you okay? She said, no, I'm not okay, Joy. Actually, you know, in a couple of hours, I'm going to go see my daughter graduate, and I'm going to see my ex-husband, and I'm going to see his wife, and, and, and my son's going to be, and then they're going to go out to dinner, and of course, I'm not invited. It's just so awkward. I don't know what to wear. I never know what to do. It's just, I said, I, I am so sorry. I didn't even know you were divorced. How, how long have you been divorced for? She said, 20 years. And she said, year after year, it's never gotten easier. 
it still hurts me 20 years later. I did the same thing. I went, oh, 20 years. But then really, I understood it. Have you ever had a relationship that just the mention of the controversy or the uncomfortable feeling that you had between each other causes you a little bit of a heart pain? You're like, ooh, I feel that one. A relationship problems and situations and awkwardness and things like that can sometimes break our heart or they can wound us on the inside. But I love that Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. And in another verse, in Psalm 47, 3, he says this, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages up their wounds. I love that. Sometimes we've had wounds that are open. They've never closed. And that's why the pain never stops. But Jesus came and says, I can bandage that up. I can actually stop the pain. The pain from complicated, difficult relationships. Well, I love so much that the Bible illustrates and shows us in the scriptures some uncomfortable situations and i want to introduce you to one of a man named elkanah he's in the old testament this man's a godly man he's a holy man he actually brings his family to the temple they're going to worship god they're going to ask for forgiveness so you're like so even in church relationships can they be uncomfortable unfortunately yes sometimes you're like how come it's not all so good or peaceful or easy or doesn't feel as loving well that happens and we see this with this man Elkanah one of the problems is he has two wives you know at the same time we might have you know one marriage and second marriage but he has two wives same dynamics though because Penina is one wife I mean aren't you glad that that name I'm like who wow okay so Penina she has children with him and then there's Hannah. He loves Hannah, and she's not able to have children. This is not only just a personal pain and a longing in her heart, but in this day and age, it was publicly embarrassing. People thought, there's something wrong with you. God hasn't done something for you. There's something wrong. So, boy, it goes so much deeper sometimes when your private pain is even public. It's like, oh. Year after year, there had to be a reminder as they went to worship that she didn't have children. One of the main problems is Penina was not a very nice person. Now, have you ever met someone who's just not very nice? You're like, I can't believe it. You define sorrow. I never knew what sorrow was until I met you. <laughs> I mean, have you ever done that? You're like, you, you make suffering a whole new word to me because I never had so much pain until I know you. You pray, dear God, please let me not be that kind of a person. But Penina knows that Hannah's hurting and she purposely wants to hurt her. She purposely, intentionally goes after her to hurt her. Are there really people like that in life? Unfortunately, yes, yes, everybody's like, yes, yes, I know that. Right away, you're like, I feel that pain. You, those are the people that can break your heart or cause a wound in your soul, even when you don't want it to be that way. So let's see what happens here as they go to the temple to worship. Here, her rival, which is Penina's, a rival in the family, mind you. Okay, this could be friendships, this could be business uh, relationship. Her rival provoked her severely to make her miserable. Look, she did it on purpose. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. 
So it was year by year, the pain never ended when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Sometimes there's pain that doesn't go away. Every time you have an encounter with someone, you're like, you just hurt me. You know, I might as well be around knives because I get cut every time I'm around you. It never stops. And what happens is Hannah just weeps and she can't even eat. We've all been in those situations before. Then Elkanah, her husband, says to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why can't you eat? Why is your heart so grieved? Aren't I better to you than ten sons? I would love to have seen the expression on her face. Like, are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. I can kind of understand Elkanah. He doesn't get it at all. Do you know there are some people in your life, they love you, they don't get it. They really don't understand. They don't mean to hurt you. It just hurts in a different way. You're like, the person I really want to understand me. You don't understand why I'm hurting. Uh, this type of an argument reminds me of many things Al and I have had. <laughs> He's like, I don't know why this is hurting you. I mean, you know, you're, why are you upset about this? Because, you know, I've done this, and there's a lot to be thankful for, and you should be okay, and, you know, get over it. And usually my response to that is, go away. I need to not see your face. I need to not hear your voice. I need to pretend that I don't know you at this time in my life. No, you're not better than 10 sons. You know, so, you know, you have this reaction. You're like, oh, now what do I do? And so she's in this difficult point. I really can relate to Hannah because when you do have some things, and she did, she had some things to be thankful for. She was loved. She was provided for. And don't you feel really guilty when you're like, I really should be okay. But how come I'm not? How come this bothers me and it wouldn't bother maybe somebody else? I kept asking the Lord that, what is this? Now, I came from a broken home. And at seven years old, my mom remarried a wonderful stepfather. I was so blessed to have someone who loved my sister and I. He truly did. And I always wanted to honor him because I was like, thank you for being so good to us. He really was. And yet, with all the love he gave us, it didn't replace or stop the pain I still had over the fact that my birth dad left. I'm like, why do I still have this? I mean, honestly, I never even, he never even connected with me. He didn't even show up at the hospital. That's why my mom called me Joy. Now you know why I have my name. Because she said, I guess you're going to be my Joy. Because he didn't show up. He left six weeks later. My sister was eight years old, so he really connected with my sister. They had a wonderful relationship that I used to just watch. I used to listen on the other end of the phone as they'd laugh and, you know, just cut up. And I, but I, I had no relationship there. And so I'm like, well, I'm okay. You know, Dell loves me, and, I, and I'm good that way. I'm, 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 I'm all right. Uh, there were so many awkward, uncomfortable moments because he constantly forgot me. I was a reminder, I guess, of the divorce. And this one time at Christmas, he got married and had two other kids. And we go there, and he has all these Christmas gifts for them. And he has a gift for my sister. He gives her a beautiful piece of jewelry. And he looks at me, and he goes, and I was like, you forgot. It's OK. I'm OK. I, I'm OK. He didn't remember it. I wanted it to be okay. 
but it was just this wound in my soul that never seemed to close. And I didn't pray about it. I just kept thinking, I should get over it, right? But it carried on with problems as I got older. There were so many times when my kids were teenagers and they'd break up or have a relationship thing not work. I'm crying. Alan's like, catch and release, Joy. Like, you know, like, this is a good thing. I'm like, well, make sure you release it nice. You know, I, 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 I'm why am I crying? I'm like, oh, something's wrong with me. What is this? Why are relationships so hard for me? I don't understand this at all. And, and then church things. I'm like, oh, no, I'm a pastor's wife. And people come, and I just love people, and I pray for people. But then some people leave. You may not know this, but some people don't leave too nice. And I would act okay and then go home and I'd cry. My kids are like, Mom, what is it? What is the matter with you? Why are you crying again? And I'm like, my heart hurts. Go away. Go do your homework. Go play the violin. I need to pray. I cried in front of my kids. And I prayed in front of my kids. And finally, I went to God. I said, Father, I have sorrow on my heart. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to navigate relationships. They're too complicated and painful to me. And I just fall into a bucket of tears. What is the matter with me? And he was so kind. He brought me back to a memory I had forgotten about when I was three or four years old. All the Italian family, my moms were together. And, you know, she hadn't remarried at this point. My Uncle Joe came in, and I ran to my Uncle Joe, and I hugged him, and I kissed him, and I'm like, I'm so glad to see you, Uncle Joe. But his daughter, Rhea, my cousin, would not come and give him a kiss. Come on, Rhea, give me a kiss. Give Daddy a kiss. She's not going to come. Come on, Rhea, I'm holding on Uncle Joe. And I guess in a real fearful three-year-old moment, I just blurted out, which I've been known to do before, Rhea, Rhea. You have to come and kiss your daddy, or he's going to leave you like my daddy left me. And the whole room fell quiet, my mom said. And she had tears thinking, wow, the divorce and broken and fractured relationship, it affected joy too. Because I didn't connect as well, but I still hurt over it. But I got to tell you this, and you have to know this about God. He didn't leave me there. He doesn't just leave you with a bad memory or pain. He helps relieve the pain. He goes to the wounds in our life and bandages them. He speaks to me further, and he says this, not in an audible voice, but in a real sweet whisper in my heart. He says, Joy, you've tried to give kisses to people all your life. You've tried to get them to love you and accept you so they wouldn't leave. And your greatest pain and sorrow is that they leave sometimes anyway. Well, guess what? They leave me too, Joy. But listen, and he spoke to me a scripture from Hebrews that was just like Neus born from heaven. He says this, I will never never leave you. I will never forsake you. I love that God doesn't leave us in a hurting place. He doesn't just give us a bad memory. He's like, now let's bring some healing. Here's a healing word. And that word, I don't know how to explain it to you. But like you'd put warm oil on a sore muscle, or you'd put neosporin in a band-aid on an open wound. I just sensed some relief. I sensed a sense of peace. Okay, if people leave me sometimes, or they don't like me, you'll never leave me. 
And I'm so thankful for that. I finally prayed and I got some relief. And this is what we're going to see Hannah does. Hannah goes and prays. She's in pain so many years and maybe you've been too like I was. Finally, she gets up just amidst all the people that misunderstand her and she prays. And this is what happens. She goes to the temple. She's in bitterness of soul. She prays to the Lord. She weeps in anguish and then she makes a vow or a promise. And she says, oh Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, oh look at me God and remember me and not forget your maidservant but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to you Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. I love this passage because she's really hurting and she's so honest before the Lord. She goes, I've got an abundance of complaints. I've got a lot of grief. I've got so much sorrow on my soul that no one seems to understand. But God, I know and you know it's there. Please look at me. Please don't forget me because everybody else does and no one else can understand you. Me, will you remember me? And basically with the vow, she goes, and I will always remember you. I won't forget you, God. She's crying so hard at this point. She's so distraught. The man Eli, who is just guardian and priest over the temple or like the pastor of a church, he thinks she's drunk. He actually accuses her. And he goes, why are you drinking? Why are you drunk like this? And she goes, I'm not drinking. Interesting, that sorrow of heart looks a lot like drunkenness. I wonder if it's healed the same. I think it probably is. Are you drunk? She goes, no. Now listen, you can get upset about every relationship in your life who doesn't understand you, that's mean to you, or doesn't work, or you can just stay connected to God. And she goes, no, no, no. I am pouring out my soul to God is what I'm doing. I'm asking God for help. And by a mercy of God, God gets a word to her through Eli, and he can get a word through to you, even if everyone around you misunderstands and misjudges you. God could get a word that heals you right where you hurt, a wound from long ago or a break in your heart. He's so good. And this is what happens. This is what he says. Eli answers and said, go in peace and grant your petition. The God of Israel has granted your position which you asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Wait a second. This woman is crying year after year. This woman is in so much pain, so much sorrow. She looks like she's drunk. She gets a healing word, go in peace. The whole thought that God says, I don't want you to hurt anymore. I don't want you to be just breaking in your heart anymore. I want you to have peace. I want it to be well with you. I want you to be okay. And she takes that word and is not sad anymore. When a little bit of sorrow and grief, and that's my prayer for you this morning, begins to lift off of you, your healing that's the healing power of God. She didn't have a child at this point, but she had no more sadness, and it showed up on her face. She goes home. She does get pregnant. She has that baby. She names that baby Samuel. I asked God if a baby gave it to me. So thankful. She raises that baby till he's three years old. 
And she brings the baby to the temple to Eli, and she goes, this is the baby I prayed for. Remember me? You may have forgotten me. God remembered me, and I remember him, and I give this baby to you to raise him in the house of the Lord. And she leaves the baby there. And you're like, oh my goodness. How did she walk away? Was she in a bunch of tears, Joy? Was she just sorrow of heart now because she left her baby and she gave her baby to the Lord? No, but she went home to an empty home. But her heart wasn't empty. Her heart was healed because the next prayer she prays, it says it's a prayer of praise. And she says, my heart rejoices in the Lord because he has made me to smile at my enemies. I rejoice in the fact of his salvation, what God has done for me, the fact that he hasn't forgotten me, the fact that he would remember me is bigger and greater and has a joy on the inside of me than any enemy or someone who could come against me. It pales in the face of that. That doesn't bother me anymore. Oh, sometimes you can't get rid of uncomfortable relationships. They're in and among good ones sometimes, but you can get to the place where it doesn't hurt you anymore. You can smile at it and go, but God, he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. So you say, Joy, how, how are you, you know, when it comes to uh, rejection and people leaving? It's not my favorite, but it doesn't hurt me like it used to. I can smile and go, God's been good to me, and I know he's with me, and I, can, I know I can pray and talk to him about anything. And you know what else I love about Hannah's prayer? Remember me. Oh God, remember me. Please don't forget me. It's exactly the words what I prayed when I was a teenager. I was a teenager and I grew up in an all-girl Catholic school. Now you know there's some relationship problems there. It's like, you, wow, I didn't even get that, navigate that. I didn't, not well. I tried to hide as much as possible. And then I had boyfriend problems. Nothing was right. And I really didn't know God. I tried to in the best way I could. I'm like, so what do I do? How do I get to know you? You know when you have a relationship and you know when you don't. And I know I didn't, but I was trying. I'm like, do I just pray longer? I'll stay on my knees longer. I used to pray on my knees until I fell asleep. I'll, I'll light candles at the church more. I did that. I'll say the rosary more. What do I do? I was like, God, what do I do? I'm so afraid. I rarely slept. I slept with the lights on. And in my bed, I had my Bible, my rosary, a stuffed animal, and a note. So you know when I got married to Alan, I'm like, there's not much room here. <laughs> and on the note, I never thought I would ever come to the place where I tell people what I wrote on that note. But I'm going to tell you. I wrote in my teenage angst, dear God, if I die, please don't forget me. It was a cry of my heart. I didn't know how to get to God. And one day at this time period in my life, my, outside my window, the sky was absolutely beautiful. The sun was setting. It was pink and purple and golden. And I walked over to the window, and I whispered out loud, God, 
I don't know if you're real. I think you are. I don't understand so much. But if you are and you can make a sky this beautiful, please don't forget me. Please remember me, God. I, I don't know how to connect with you. I don't know how to have peace. He remembered that prayer. It wasn't long after that that I met some girls that are like, Joy, that's why Jesus came. I didn't get it. Even though I went to church, I didn't get it. That's why he came. He died for you so you can have peace with God. You don't have to be afraid of him. And I prayed that prayer, and I was like, thank you. I can have peace. I actually was able to sleep. That's the first miracle I had I was able to sleep. I cannot see a pink sky today without going, thank you, God, you remembered me. You'll never forget me either. And when life or relationships aren't working, I know you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. It makes life sweet when you live it healed. When you know him as Savior, it's the relationship. He's the one who understands you. He's the one who loves you. And I know he'll remember you. Amen. In the early 70s, a, a television show came out called Kung Fu. Anybody remember Kung Fu? It started a martial arts craze all across America. I got swept up in it. I was a scrawny 14-year-old. With, uh, with glasses that, that used to have that strap that wrapped around the back of my head to hold them on my head. And so I really wanted to take uh, martial arts and I got involved with this, this at the YMCA. They had a, had a group there. And I took it for a while. My parents said, great, you gotta take it, but you gotta stay with it for a, a year. I hated it because I thought that just in a few weeks I'd be able just to beat everybody, just whip everybody. And it was a lot of, of form and discipline and all that. And I was part of a group, kind of a rough group. And they, these, these two brothers, they were Italian. <laughs> and just kind of rough guys. And we would, at the end of the, at the, end of the, the uh, session, we would all sit in a circle and we would have to spar. And so the guy who was heading it up, the sensei, he would point to one guy and say so he would point to one of these brothers and the brothers would stand up and they're ready. And then he would, like, he would point to me with my scrawny self and my, my glasses, and I would get up, and as I would get up, I would see this other guy, he's just smiling. You know why he was smiling? Because he knew he was about to kick my rear end really, really bad. Literally, this was full contact sparring, and so usually I wound up with my glasses like halfway across my face. But the smile said, I'm gonna be on the winning side. You know when you can start smiling at the things that hurt you, you know you're getting on the winning side. And I watched this with joy. When we met, I, I remember there were certain parts of her that were just so strong, but there were certain parts of her where she was a broken person. And the relationships were so difficult for her. But I watched her do three things. I'm just going to leave you with these three because they brought heart health to her. Joy would get up every morning. She is incredibly diligent. And she would get up every morning. My kids remember this. She would get up. She would get up before anyone else because once the kids got up, life went crazy. And she would get up and they would, they would find her reading her Bible. Joy didn't read her Bible because it was a duty. She read her Bible because she believed what Jesus said, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. 
that God's word feeds our spirit. You don't get strong unless you eat right. And so she would read her Bible. She was humble enough where she would pray. Joy would pray. She would talk to the Lord about things. She learned that she could, actually Joy learned that she could not talk to me about, some, I know it sounds unusual, but she could not talk to me about things I wouldn't listen. And she learned that she could talk to the Lord about them, but she was humble enough to pray and she talked to the Lord about the pains in her own life. And you know, I think it's very interesting that the Bible said that Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. It didn't say brokenhearted ladies. It said brokenhearted. Losses, failures, rejection, things can impact you, and it's certainly not gender specific. Joy understood that she could pray and God could help her. The, the third thing is Joy has never lost sight and never lost appreciation of the fact that she's saved. She said, Alan, she said, you grew up in a Christian home. She said, I didn't grow up in a home knowing much. She said, I'm, I remember how it is to be lost. She said, and I so remember how it is to be saved. And she has such an, an honor for God and an appreciation for God that she honors God in her life. She feeds on his word. She prays. She honors him. And that's cause to my wife. And what she's telling you is true. Problems haven't stopped. We got kids, they marry, they, we have family, we have all kinds of stuff. Grandkids, it's not like the problems have gone away. It's not like the pain goes away. But our ability to handle it has gotten so much better. Joy smiles at the problems now. In 1979, right after Joy came to the Lord, there was a, an, a Christian artist who wrote a song, and he was well-known. This was way before Christian music really hit the mainstream. His name was Keith Green. And he wrote a song, said, Lord, make my life a prayer. And Joy said that song just always resonated with me, that I could pray and that my life could be a prayer. So Justin and Tony are going to do that for you now.
bow your heads just for a moment. Two prayers I want to pray today. You're here and you thinking to yourself, I understand what Joy is talking about. Lord, don't forget me, but I don't know how to connect with you. The connection is through his son. Someone simply told you, you don't have to earn, you don't have to pray, you don't have to do the rosary, you don't have to do good works. Simply receiving that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that God raised him from the dead, that you might have a relationship with God. That's where it begins. But this morning, if you're here and you say, you know what, Alan, I, I don't know that I've ever done that. Or maybe you have done that, but you recognize in your heart, I've gotten so far away from God. The good news is he's never forgotten you. So we're gonna say a prayer this morning. And if either one of those situations apply to you and you say, you know what, I, I wanna be a part of this prayer. I'm not gonna have you just stand up. I'm not gonna have you come to the front. We are gonna pray. I'm gonna ask you to do one simple thing. If that's you that I'm talking to, you say, Alan, I really want to be a part of that prayer, but you pray for me. Would you just simply slip your hand up across this auditorium? Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Yeah, all the way in the back, all the way in the front, all over. Thank you. Anybody else? Appreciate your courage. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand in one or two. You can pray this prayer with us. It's a, it's a heart prayer. We're going to pray it out loud. Maybe you, you thought, uh, I'm not sure. Pray this with us. We're going to pray with you as a church family. I'll lead you in it. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord is my Savior, is the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, if you don't mind just keeping your heads bowed just for another moment, I want to pray a prayer for a different group. You came this morning and maybe you, you heard Joy speak and maybe it hit a little too close to the bone. You're thinking, boy, that, you just defined my life. Maybe it's, it's not a rejection as a child. Maybe it's a failure. Maybe you lost a loved one. 
Maybe you just haven't seemed to be able to get over it. I, I believe that it's the plan of God, the will of God, that you not only get past it, but you have the ability to smile as if it never really happened. It doesn't scar you. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you that you are the healer, that you heal broken hearts and you bind up their wounds. And so, Father, I thank you that all of us have been deemed, have been hit, have had loss. But Father, if there's any broken places, I thank you that healing words can be spoken. Life can be given. Father, that you, the healing process can start now. Lord, we thank you that we'll look back on this day and say, you know, it started there because you do a good work and you complete it. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.